Hello, you're listening to the Pilgrim Star Podcast. I am your host, Lance Gracie, and thanks for uh, for being here. Thanks for listening. Are you listening? Hope so. This episode is entitled "Death, Dog, and Ritual." Sounds exciting, doesn't it? and how it's going to kind of work. You know, I want to, if, you, if you don't know about it, I want to share some more on it. Um, so in our last two episodes, we've been um, working with the, like the transvaluation of Neo-Confucian metaphysics and ethics. And, you know, we're going to continue that on. I But I, I've had some, I've had a little bit of difficulty trying to get people to come um, speak on this podcast I had two people um, uh, two people that I wanted to come on and talk about the stillness of the word and it was going to work out and then at the last minute it just kind of fell apart so I thought I'll just you know I'll just um, uh, you know make the episode um, and you know they can you know come on later Uh, but I, I think what kind of um, uh, problematic was that uh, I wanted to get more episodes out like I wanted to have this have the the production of the episodes be a bit more regular and routine and that kind of put a wrench um, you know in the uh, uh, in the mechanics of that production right uh, so um, so I I thought I would, you know, again, just get the episode about the stillness of the word out, um, and then just follow that up with um, more uh, eased uh, podcast episodes. So, okay, to get to get to the style of it, I thought it'd be fun um, to kind of post podcast episodes intermittently um, with this neo-Confucian metaphysics and ethics discussion, uh, because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and. I'll, big reason for this podcast is not just to, you know, provide some kind of piercing insight into um, philosophy, spirituality, and religion, and all that, but also to just be uh, a little familiar uh, with you all, to entertain you, to be a storyteller at times, right, to to let my charismatic uh, ways uh, go out there. I don't know. I feel like, um, do I only feel this way? Maybe. But I get the uh, feeling or the impression um, that uh, a lot of what a podcast is intended to do, even if it's not explicit, uh, is um, be a, a source of easy listening, right? Uh, to be a source of easy listening for 
entertainment or some amusement. Not too much, right? But just a little bit, right? Uh, you know, people listen to podcasts. I, I imagine not only for their, you know, their intellectual educational content, but also because you know they like listening to people. They like hearing about them. So here we go. Here's uh, here's a narrative, a story, um, a, a testimony, if you will, on death, dog, and ritual. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? special German shepherd passed away uh, about a month ago now. And, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about it. My special friend, you know, he was such a good boy. And uh, the passing of his life, you know, really meant something and his life itself meant something and it's just a lot um i want to share a little bit about that because i think um you know what is life the passing of it and the significance of it have to um the purposes of um you know this podcast and just things in general is that uh there's something mysterious, uh, yet meaningful about the lives of our non-human animals, our friends. Um, but there's also, uh, uh, at the same time, there's also just something to behold about it, right? Have you ever thought to yourself, uh, to your dog or your cat or you know whatever companion animal or other that you have, that you take care of have you ever thought what is the life of this animal that i should be mindful of it what is the life of this animal that i should be mindful of it makes us think of that uh, related question who is man that God should be mindful of him. Who is human being that God should be mindful of humans? So Dennis, Dennis, my German shepherd, was about, um, was, uh, how old was he? I think he was just turned um, 13, I think, 12 or 13. He was old, you know, German shepherds get to that age and um, start succumbing to their uh, genetic um, deficiencies, we could say, and uh, 
those genetic uh, issues that they are prone to. And for German Shepherds, it's hip dysplasia, right? So he was having a lot of trouble walking and getting around. And, you know, the time comes when uh, I have to make a tough decision. I took him to the vet. Um, and uh, the vet kind of put me into a strange position. Um, not so much the, the, the veterinarian, but the... Um, But more so the um, the like the attendants uh, or the um, the technicians, uh, you know, they kind of gave me some strange advice. Uh, I thought it was strange at the time, but I think what I see now is that they were presenting um, two, you know, very possible scenarios. Um, for me to take, you know, I could, uh, we could do some, some work up, uh, you know, get him, but put him, put him on some kind of, uh, like work up program, uh, see what's really going on with him and all that, or, you know, think about it in terms of quality of life and euthanizing him. Um, basically what they found is of course that his, his hips were shot. He has a heart murmur uh they detected a heart murmur and they they you know were concerned that there were other more serious things going on there and i remember when the veterinarian um kind of presented these to me and i was my mind was already moving in the direction of like um, quality of life you know like he not only because of financial reasons right but because he's just old you know like how much better is it going to be if he can't walk around, you know, I guess I could give him Rimadyl or some kind of prescription medication and, uh, you know, he could move better, but you know, that's, that's just, it's just, um, it's, uh, there are other issues too going on with him. So it's not like giving him Rimadyl is just going to, you know, really just uplift his quality of life to the maximum and it's fine, you know, and no worries for the future. But there are, there are other things too, and I'm not going to spell them all out right now. Uh, but I, my mind was already moving in that quality of life direction, right? Like, like I was already in the mindset, like, I got to make a decision to either euthanize him or not euthanize him, right? And the veterinarian and the technicians kind of put it in a way where I kind of thought it wasn't just either euthanize him or don't euthanize him. It was, like, more complicated than that. And so I was really struggling with it, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to euthanize him, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, let's go with the um, the workup, you know, let's let's do this. You know, the cost, it's whatever. I, I don't want to euthanize him. And you know, they came back and they told me it was like seven hundred dollars to do this, right? To euthanize, uh, to not euthanize him, to do the workup program instead. And I saw the amount, and I was kind of like, Ugh, you know. Uh, and I called my wife and I told her about it and she, she didn't like that. Right. She's like, you know, he's had a good life. You need to euthanize him. And I just, I, it was this weird, like complicated process where like I was trying to, to justify spending a lot more money to keep him alive. And, um, and I thought it was because I had to be a good owner. You know what I mean? 
I had to spend money on it. When in reality, I, you know, I'm given that what, I, you know, eventually inevitably came from all this, which I'll discuss in a little bit. Um, what it was really was I was, I didn't want to confront having to decide to put my dog down. It was, it was, uh, I didn't really, I wasn't really prepared for how difficult that decision was going to be. I've never had to do this before with, with, um, uh, at least with the, my own pet, right? Um, I've never, uh, yeah, I've been confronted with that in that way and I wasn't prepared for it. I thought it would be easier or something. So anyway, um, let me work through the rest of the story and then offer some insights. Um, so euthanizing it was only, it was going to cost like $300, right? Not to make it about the, just about the money, right? Because it's not, but the money is relevant for sure. Um, and I, it's all I could afford really, you know, couldn't afford the seven hundred dollars. And after talking, speaking with my wife, it, it had to be the youth, euthanizing the animal, and that seemed to be the best route for other reasons too. So, I just it crushed me. It crushed me to say, like, to go through with that. You know, like making that decision. Like it, it felt difficult. Um, felt very, very well. Not just difficult. It felt just hard. You know. Um, and so you know, I decided that Dennis was to be put down. You know, do you remember St. Rock's, um, affinity with a dog? Like St. Francis, you know, he, I'm sure he had a, a deep affection for, for dogs. And when I get to this point in the story, I just, um, it's hard. It's difficult to um, take the experience and all that and um, put it into uh, like communicable forms, if, if that, that makes sense. Um, it's, uh, it's challenging. Um, it can be done. It's just difficult. And, uh, without enough preparation, it can be kind of daunting and a little scary, I guess. I went into the, the room and it was set, set, you know, set up for Dennis and, you know, I'm just, I'm like, I'm a mess at this point, you know, I'm, cause I made the decision. I realized what's going on and all these memories are, you know, there and, uh, what this dog means to me, um, theologically, philosophically, uh, you know, um, socially in all sorts of ways. And, you know, I'm talking to him and he's calm and I just like, was, the, you know, spent some time with him alone and the vet veterinarian, um, came in with, his um, uh, attendant, his helper, and 
kind of explain things to me. I'm sitting in the chair and it's like a dimly lit room. It's a very nice, it's like a comfort room, you know? And, uh, you know, I know I just like, I'm, I already gave the go ahead. I, I buzzed the thing. So when, when they came in, they knew it was time, you know? And, um, I just cried like a baby, you know, while they, they injected him first with the, um, the sedative and then the, you know, the chemical that, you know, stopped his heart. And I just, you know, I just, what, what does someone say? Right. Like they, they give, they, they say their, their, they express their sentiments and everything and kind of comes out and phrases and short sentences or whatever. And, and I had my hand on him and I could feel, I could feel his life end is his natural life. Right? And I'm reminded of uh, in that, that moment uh, thereabouts or so, I was reminded of um, that, that beautiful question in the uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of beast goes downward to the earth. And, uh, you know, he passed and I, they left and I spent some time with him and I didn't close his eyes. He stayed open. And, and then I left and I got in the car and it was, you know, just a mess. And, um, you know, they, they cremated him and, and I uh, would picked, picked his remains up a few weeks later and I still have his urn. Um, I haven't brought myself to put it in the ground. It's just in my home and I see it sometimes. And so what do we make, what do I make of all this? Why death, dog and ritual? You know, I, the ritual of dog and death uh, is something that I imagine a lot of people um, know about. They have a feeling for it. They wouldn't know what it's like to lose a beloved pet. But I, oh, I sometimes am concerned that the ritual of dog and death isn't um, appreciated enough. You know, there's a phenomenology of it that uh, maybe is not appreciated enough. I find it absolutely fascinating that um, there is no moral prescription against having uh, a dog's uh, the urn of a dog's remains in my home. Uh, but there are moral prescriptions against having that for a, a human, right? Meaning it's a moral prescription against having the remains of a human being in one's home and not in the ground. And so I looked, I would see Dennis's urn and I would, you know, look at it and uh, it's there, you know, it's downstairs from where I am. And I would look at it and I, was just kind of really struck by 
the ritual, because it's in this urn, right? There's something ritualistic about that. The ritual of the life of this dog and the life of this dog ending to remains, you know? And the ritual, the, the, the ritual of the veterinarian and dog, uh, and the humans, the, the master of this dog, and all of these things, all of these components of this one ritual of dog and death is amazing. There is mourning, real mourning, real mourning. Mourning like Adam seeing the death of one of the animals in his garden after the fall, right? Or before it, whenever it happened. I'm not going to get into that. But but just the first man. Okay? The first man and that man's first animal. If you don't want to think of it as the first man, the man and his animal. Right? And I mean that with emphasis. The man or the woman and their animal. And the death of this animal that has to do with something that man did. You know? Sometimes. I mean, whether it's an animal getting run over by a car or something. There's a responsibility that the human has for the life of their animal. Right? The righteous man cares for the needs of their animal. And the whole ritual of it, of losing this visible phantom of your soul, is interesting. Um, the mourning, the moral rites, the moral practices, the symbolism, right, of Dennis in the urn, the remains of Dennis in the urn, the memory of it, right? All these things direct themselves to um an attitude uh or a perspective that we should um keep in mind when it comes to creation or animals or similar things you know i dennis was with me through the most formidable years of my life. He was with me when my spirit was crushed. Um, uh, when my, my then wife left me, uh, Dennis stayed by my side. Um, Dennis signified the sacramental life, the wisdom of it. Dennis is what brought me into the faith. Dennis uh, was an arbiter of nighttime angst or angst. Dennis was a comfort. To me, Dennis was the consolation of philosophy. He was the best representative of the consolation of philosophy in my life. I end with the story about him. When I was very alone, 
learning to pray for help. One night, I was felt like I was coming out of, I was surging upward out of this mire of the world and of depression and all these things. And I felt like I was surging out of it and I was praying. I was praying. And, and as I was praying, I turned and I saw Dennis. And Dennis looked at me and his tail started flicking on the on the ground and as i was looking at him and his tail doing that it was a revelation that presented itself it was as though dennis was surrounded in a holy cloud and his eyes shining bright spoke the most simple message, you know. How meaningless do things have to get before something like consolation and friendship of a dog becomes the great meaning of one's life. And to watch that meaning die, to watch that meaning pass, is profoundly heartbreaking. But before he left, he made sure that I had found my home, that a big part of the reason why he exists was fulfilled and came to be. This is the ritual of dog and death. I'm Lance Gracie. You've been listening to the Pilgrim Star Podcast. Stick around for more.